The Draft Podcast, presented by Pepsi. Another emergency pod here. Ethan Greenberg, EA, Anthony Beck, Eric Coleman. I'm pointing. It looks like I'm pointing directly at the camera, but really Anthony and Eric Coleman <laughs> are on the other side of the BetMGM studio here and the Jets. So far, we're recording this 10, 18 p.m. The third round's still going on. The Jets have no third round picks, but at pick 34, they add to the offense wide receiver Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. EA, let's start with you. What do you like about the pick? I love the pick. Great value. Joe Douglas said it after the pick that they think, the New York Jets think they have selected three players in this draft with first-round value. They were shocked he was there at the start of the second round, crossed their fingers that the Jacksonville Jaguars went in another direction, and they sure did. And you're talking about the most productive receiver in the best conference in all of college football last year averaged nearly 150 yards receiving per game nearly 11 catches per game you can line them up all over the field this is a nice weapon ab for your rookie quarterback zach wilson yeah you're right i I think it's great you know i think you know a lot of people probably thought or would have guessed defense would have been this pick, right? But I think when you think about it a little bit about what Joe Douglas's mindset is, he's like, I'm not going to allow this quarterback to fail. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to be deliberate about what I'm going to do, and I'm going to get him another weapon. And like when I look at Elijah Moore, I think about like, okay, slot guy slash gadget guy slash one-on-one guy on the outside. He can do so much for you catch the ball literally at the line of scrimmage and get you seven, eight, or even a touchdown, uh, a home run yard. So um, I think it's a smart pick. I think, like you said, Eric, you know, when you have a guy that's rated in the top 25 on your board and he's still available at 34, then bam, you pounce on that. And it's someone that can contribute to the football team immediately. I mean, think about it, you know, for for a group of wide receivers on this football team last year now coming into this season man <laughs> totally different look for this football team you got to be excited about it yeah you, you do have to be excited um, i mean elijah moore is you know he's, he's a well-rounded receiver an excellent route runner um, does a great job of, of finding holes in defenses beating one-on-one coverage and once he gets the ball in his hands he's very dynamic i, I mean you're talking about a guy who has 10 catches a game uh, but He's getting the yards after catch as well. He's physical. He's tough. He's a punt return type guy, which is always tough for defensive backs, right? Uh, You're covering a guy, and once he gets the ball, he has all this space in front of him, and he can shake and bake, and he can take it the distance. I mean, we're watching highlight videos versus Florida, LSU, (laughs) Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn. I mean, like, these are – I bet you the (laughs) SEC has the most players drafted right now in the draft. So, like, he – I see a lot of space between him and those guys. Oh yeah. So which leads me to believe that like count on that happening in the in the in the league as well. So look, it's a good pick, man. It's I'm excited. I can't yeah. wait. And th- this kind of builds like what's this offense going to be, man? And and a guy like this can really be special. Ethan, you had a chance to talk to him. Your takeaways and also uh, what do you think about how Douglas has improved the position as a whole this offseason? Well, to answer the last part of your question first, you think about where this receiving core was before free agency, and now you have Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore. Am I missing anybody? And then you go down, you go Braxton Berrios, mm-hmm. Joe Douglas resigned, Vincent Smith. 
I think Josh Doxson is still on this team, even he, though he signed last offseason. He is. So is Jeff out. Smith. Jeff Smith. Yep. I mean, wide receiver might be one of the deeper positions on the Jets now, and that was very much not the case at the beginning of the offseason. And really, you know, with Elijah Moore, Anthony, Anthony talked about it, right? The SEC play. Devontae Smith is the Heisman Trophy winner, plays in the same conference, and Elijah Moore led the country – in receptions and receiving yards per game. And what I really liked about watching the highlights, you see him go over the middle, and he, he doesn't jump in the air to catch ball. He just runs right through, and Daniel Jeremiah talked about it. I'm curious what all three of you think about the different player comparisons that came to air, let's say, after Elijah Moore was drafted. Booger McFarlane compared him to Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Reggie Wayne compared Elijah Moore to Santana Moss. So let's start with you, EA. What do you think about the comparisons there? And I, I, I do want to say player comparisons is a weird exercise to begin with. So I just want to leave that at that. Well, Eric defended against Steve Smith, so I'd like to get his thoughts on it. And I'm not saying Elijah Moore is going to be as productive as Steve Smith because you look at those numbers over the course of his career, amazing. And that's a nice comparison. He should feel yep. flattered about that comparison. But Steve Smith, well, he was a tough cookie. I think, actually, Elijah Moore probably has more straight-ahead speed, right? He's a sub-4-4 four, four guy. He's a 4-3 guy. But he's got that toughness to his game, and I love his versatility. Uh, Santana Moss was a little bit of a different player, I think, than Elijah Moore. What do you think, E? Well, you know, you know I, I do like both comparisons. Uh, Steve Smith is an amazing route runner as well. He's great after the ball. Uh, but Santana Moss, you know, when I, when I watch uh, Elijah Moore with the ball in his hands, or when he even running routes, he's one of those guys that can be running full speed, stop on a dime, change direction. And that was what Santana Moss did uh, better than any receiver that I ever faced wow. or played with. You know, Santana's Moss, his, his change of, of direction was amazing, and I see that in Elijah Moore. But um, I like the Steve Smith comparison, the young Steve Smith. When he was coming out of Utah as a punt returner, he was a gadget guy. Yeah, he, he ran excellent rounds, but he can take the top off of defense as well. And I see all these things in Elijah Moore, and it's going to be exciting. When you get him with Zach Wilson, you have the protection up front, and, and then you add him with this core of wide receivers that you already have. I think it's just a, a great recipe. Yeah, you know, when I look at him, I think about like a, a blend of like Percy Harvin's uh, kind of athleticism with Cole Beasley's instincts, right, on the, in the slot. So, you know, he's a guy, again, like very twitchy, gets to space quickly, and once he gets on the move, man, he's really hard to defend. I mean, you're talking about, you know, playing that slot, outside receiver. He can be a running back, come out of the backfield, run routes, just like you saw there. He's the point man, uh, inside guy on the bunch coming across the field. On the, you think about the offense that the 49ers run, the play action stuff where they, they slide a, a receiver from left to right underneath the line. You can't see the guy, right? So he's going to slide out there, and now he's running a 4-3 with the ball in his hands, getting up the field before the linebacker or the end even figure it out, and you got your outside receiver running deep to pull out the corner. Who's stopping this guy in the first you know, 15, 20 yards? So. You can be really creative. You can really open up your book. And, you know, if you're a defense, think about it. Like, okay, you got a guy like Mims. Like, we, what we saw, just a small kind of a window with him last year. A guy that's got great catch radius, can, can make the contested catches. But, you know, he's going to attract attention. Corey Davis, another guy. Again, 
We saw him blend in Tennessee with a, with another Ole Miss receiver, A.J. Brown. Well, guess what? He's got another Ole Miss receiver here, so I don't know what that means, but hopefully it means good things because they really hit it off pretty well in Tennessee. So, uh, again, Joe thinking about how do I make my quarterback better? How do I protect my quarterback, number one? And, you know, if they can run the ball, they're going to have to run the ball this year. These guys become even bigger weapons, so I can't wait to see what this offense is. You know, you think about just what the 49ers have done offensively under Kyle Shanahan, and we're getting that here. And that, that's innovation. That's a little bit more of a, you know, deception, play action, just, you know, really honing in to the core of what offenses can be. But when you got speed wrapping around into it, man, you, what are you going to do if you're a safety? Like, right. you come down the box, you go back, and bam, all of a sudden, Elijah Moore's running right by you. At four, with four three speed, you're like, uh oh, you know, even you're leaving kind of situation. So I'm, it should be really fun to watch. Yeah, fellas, think about this: Corey Davis, the number five overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. Jets think he's still an ascending player at 26 years old. Denzel Mims, AB mentioned him before, showing the flashes down the stretch. His rookie campaign, he's entering. Had, wait, he also has sub four four speed. Yes, at the combine. Right, he's entering his second season. Corey Davis never ran because he was banged up before mm -hmm. he got drafted uh, by Tennessee. But he's in that range. But he's a physical specimen on the outside. And then, so Mims was a second round pick, and now you're investing in an early second round pick again in another receiver who you think had first round value and oh by the way joe douglas on his board elijah vera tucker was a top 10 player there's they thought there was no way in heck that Moore's going to be there at 34. in fact it would have been interesting guys if they didn't move up right from right. 23 That's to 14 <clears throat> if they ended up taking more at 23. Yeah, I think that's definitely in the cards. And that kind of leads me to my next point. So far, the Jets have had three picks. They don't have a third-round pick. We don't really know what's happening in the third round right now because we're in here recording the podcast. But the Jets have six picks on day three. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's start with you, Anthony. What do you think is next for Joe Douglas? Not necessarily in terms of players, but maybe certain positions that you think the Jets – should hit because they need to fill some holes here. Yeah, well, you know, corner, I, I could see, you know, three corners maybe uh, of these of these picks. I mean, why not, right? Uh, um, you know, when you're when you're talking about what the what they lack or what they're you know kind of shorthanded in, that's the position that comes to mind. And how many corners did we go through, you know, with injuries and just trying to find a guy or sign a guy? I mean, it was crazy how many how many guys. So you you need them if you can get some guys that you feel like fit the system. You grab them. Now, I, I, you know, you could, you could also put some picks together and move up, but I was thinking that would be a good idea initially, right? You, you kind of get, like, maybe you can get five core guys yeah. at, in the draft early, and they can be players for you, but you also, you need depth. You need bodies, right? You need yep. players. Like, you need more than just five guys. You, need, you do need those picks. So, you know, maybe at the end of the third they think about doing something, but I just think you sit tight. And if you need to make a little bit of a move without totally giving away a bunch of assets, you know, you, you, you kind of look at that. But, man, just, you know, do your homework. This is what good scouts do, right? Good, good organizations, personnel people, they got everything lined up for the situation and scenario so that that player is the best possible fit in that moment. And, you know, they think that those guys, whether it's fourth, fifth, sixth round, 
they can be contributors to the football team. And if you're lucky and you hit a starter in those rounds, I mean, that man, that's jackpot right there because you never really assume that. You hope they develop to that and they can be that. But, man, you get a guy, and I've seen it across, we see it every year across yeah. the league. Somebody ends up being a star in those late rounds. The Jets got to find a way to find that guy. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned it earlier uh, when talking about uh, how this, this year with COVID has changed everything with the scouting. And this year, more than any other year, there's going to be a couple of players that slip through the cracks no and end up in the fifth, sixth round. And if the Jets did their job scouting, I, I think they can find a gym. Cornerback uh, position is, is obviously one that they need to, to help and bolster up. Also, the linebacker position. You know, I would like to see some more depth at the linebacker position. Uh, but I can see the Jets going back on the offensive side of the ball and getting some more offensive linemen as well. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, really the sky's the limit. You have six picks, uh, six opportunities to make this team better. And the Jets, please believe, they're going to pick the best players that are available and the best ones that fit this scheme. What do you think, EA? Um, I think these guys are right. Uh, uh, you're going to get at least one cornerback on day three. Mm-hmm. Remember also, you're going to be very active in terms of your search for the top undrafted free agents out there. Day three is very important. In fact, I think you sat here in this chair just a few moments ago and talked to Joe Douglas, and he said, this is where you can make a good draft, a great draft, mm-hmm. with those day three finds. And think about it right now as we sit here before 1030, night two, Jets have selected three players. They have six draft picks on day three. This is huge, and Anthony's right. You have to fill voids just in terms of depth. But with this team, since they are building, since it is the start of something with a new coaching staff, there are going to be opportunities for these guys who were taken in the fourth round to come in and make immediate contributions. So defensively, yeah, I'm thinking corner, and I'm also thinking linebacker. Uh, down the line here offensive line always um, but offensively what stands out to me so far and I want to get your thoughts on it Ethan and everybody's is the speed is really coming to light it's not only that this draft is always going to be remembered for the Jets taking Zach Wilson at number two but you see an element of speed here this offseason that I don't know if this team has had in the past yeah I think I think Coach Sala talked about it from the day that he was hired, right? The the need for speed, and I know I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's kind of forgotten Denzel Mims ran a 4.38 at the Combine because he hurts his hamstring, both of them, and then it never really seemed like he ever pushed the gas as hard as he could. So maybe with a full offseason, he's able to do so. And you add Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. I mean, I really do think that, the speed at the skill position player, even Ty Johnson, someone who has burners. So I think the speed is definitely increased. And, you you know, I want to wrap up the podcast with a fun question. Mm. And I'm curious as two former players are sit across the BetMGM studio. Let's start with them. Earlier today, there was this phenomenon on Twitter where Zach Wilson's mother posted on Instagram stories, a number two Jersey. Everyone's saying, you love jersey numbers. I'm a big jersey number guy. (laughs) They're saying, what is going on here? Zach Wilson wears number one at BYU. Is he going for number two? He said, he told the media, he has not decided. So, Coleman, let's start with you. Zach Wilson, are you pro number one? Are you pro changing the number to number two or anything else? Well, 
And you can address your beef right now because you have some beef with somebody in the organization, 26 Coleman. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so hit that first I, and then get okay. I don't think it should be a beef, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at first it was beef because it was, uh, <laughs> man, you, you know, Tevin Coleman, he's going to have the Coleman on the last name. Um, he was with the Falcons. Right. Number 26, yeah. Coleman. That was my number. That's my name. And so I'm like, man, he's erasing me from the books because he's probably a better player than I was. And then he's coming to the Jets now. I'm excited to see him here. Uh, Anthony kind of changed my thinking about, about that. Exactly. Now I can, if he does well, I can buy his jersey. Jersey sales, man. Jersey that, sales go up. They don't know me. it's him. It's yeah, you. That's, that's all exactly. me. So I'm going to take all the credit for that one. But, you know, when, when I talk about Zach Wilson, Listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Wearing number one is what got you here. You're a star. To wear number one in, in the great state of New York uh, is going to be something special. Did, did, now, did that rule get – is that official? Can yes. that happen? The, yes. The, the, the well, number thing. Yeah, yeah the but thing is, quarterbacks the, could always do that. Oh, but they could. They okay. Could. Well, you do have to clarify this. There's but, somebody on the roster who does have number one right now, Jaleel Scott. Yeah, I know all these things. Can oh, be. I'm not worried about him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God, no, no disrespect. Because he can be, he can be bought out. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up. Uh, okay. one, one, I remember there was a player, uh, established player in the league, uh -huh. wanted to change his number. I think it was Dalvin Cook from number 33 to four that he used to wear. Right. Yep. But the league told him he was going to have to pay the $1.4 million in jerseys that are out there for sale oh, if he wants to change his number. Right. That, that's so you thing. probably won't see a lot of veterans doing it, but yeah. the rookie class will probably start that. But EC, you're right. That's a thing because I remember um, there was a – I don't remember who the player was. It might have been Leonard Williams when he was here, wanted to change his number or was considering changing his number. And the equipment guy was like, well, if you do that, you have to buy out the rest of the jerseys that have already been made. And he said, you know what? I'm good with 92. Thank you very much. So, but Anthony's right, though. The number thing has changed. So, like, for example, Elijah Moore, who wore eight at Ole Miss, could wear eight with the Jets. Okay. But Zach Wilson could always wear number one. So, with that being said, I'm curious your take. Yeah, you know, look, man. Listen, like Deion Sanders said back in the day, right? Look good, play good. Like, if that's the kid wants to wear that number, give it to him. Like, I mean, if that – there's some mental stuff around that thing for people, man. Trust me, yeah. I, I've been around players like if it ain't what it was in college or high school, like they're they're not a, the same dude. So if that's gonna make him the same cat we're seeing on tape every single you know play that we've been running through the highlights at BYU, let that kid wear number one. I'm good with it. If he wants it, give it to him. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Oh, but I, I'm all uh, good with I, it. I want to interject about the Jaleel Scott thing. Yeah. He was number one okay. until he was signed to the active roster and needed to change his number because the rule was not in effect until this offseason. So he's number 18 he is on number the roster, 18. on the Jets so roster. So right now there is no one. There is no number one. They're, the first number the Jets have on their roster is number three, and that's Chase McLaughlin, the kicker. Okay, so again, you, you're fascinated with the numbers. What I will say as far as Zach Wilson is concerned is you be you. Whatever works for Zach Wilson, you be you. You wear a headband, bring it here. Bring it to New York. I don't need you to change up. Change up. Whatever you're doing, it worked at the college level. You don't come here and change who you are. And that's on a serious note, too. You don't change who you are as a player. Sure, we can work to be better versions of ourselves, but I don't need him to come here and choose a quarterback number and not wear a headband and change who he is. Part of the attraction or allure of Wilson is people in that locker room gravitate towards him. They love his style of mm -hmm. play. 
And listen, I want my quarterback to have a little bit of swag, a little bit of gravitas. I think number one has a little more of what you just said than number two. But if he wants to go with number two, hey, go ahead. Listen, I, I wore a bandana, by the way, when I was in college. I came to the league. They <laughs> well, banned, you did when you were early, when they, you played early in the league. Yeah, you? they banned it. And then he had to go to the skullcap thing. So I went skullcap mm. after that. But You I was, and Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, we, yep. were, we were skullcap guys. But did you guys comb your hair backwards before you put the skullcap oh, on? Yeah, of course. Like, you know, it was well <laughs> matted down. But I was a bandana guy coming in because you, you could wear that in college. And I was told I couldn't wear that after a while. So bandana Maybe back, that huh? changed me as a player. Yeah, you know, you're hurt by it. Who knows? I was, you know, you know what I, I love about uh, Wilson, too, with the headband, uh, the bandana? You go back to Jim McMahon. Jim I was Mc, thinking the same thing. Jim yeah. McMahon wearing that bandana, loved it, loved it. Yeah, I, that was before my time, but I, I did like when I watch, you know, when I was watching stuff on the 85 Bears or whatever, and when Jim McMahon was playing, I saw the headband. I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I, I do agree with EC. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if you want to change it, go for it. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? It, I will say the one thing that Zach Wilson said on a totally other note, and then I'm going to wrap up, which I thought was cool. Someone said, hey, like essentially, hey, you, we know you look young. How are you going to walk into the NFL and the bright lights of the Big Apple and lead a locker room? He said, listen, some of my best friends have three kids. That's what happens at BYU because everyone's older. Everyone goes on missions and comes back, so he's used to it. And that is the way we're going to end this episode of the official Jets podcast, the Draft Podcast, presented by Pepsi. We're back tomorrow with a full draft recap.